Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. The odds are very high that you and I will die. The odds are very high that you and I will die. And it's not a subject many of us like to talk about, but it is reality. And I've been thinking about this message for many weeks, and I feel that today is as good a day as any to share it with you. I heard a story recently about a pastor. This pastor had been pastoring this church for over 30 years, and he was doing a funeral for an elderly lady in the congregation. I'll call her Sarah. He had watched Sarah's children grow up in the church. He had watched those children have grandchildren, and some of them are now growing up. They're in their late teens and early 20s. However, they're not growing up in the church because many of the children and the grandchildren were no longer serving the Lord as Sarah had. Sarah had been a faithful member to this church. She loved the Lord, she loved the church, and she loved her family and prayed often for them. The funeral was taking place, and as the pastor was sharing about Sarah and going through the various things that you do in a funeral service, he saw the children and the grandchildren scattered throughout. Some of them had their spouses with them. And he was fully aware, because he knew Sarah and he knew these kids, that many of them were not walking with the Lord, and it bothered him. And he knew that it bothered Sarah, because he and Sarah would have conversations about that. Pastor, what can I do? How can I pray? What can I do to get these kids and these grandchildren to connect with Jesus? And as the service was winding down, the pastor looked into the eyes of these children and the grandchildren. Their grandmother and their mother's body was at the front of the church. The casket was open. And he said to them, in just a moment, you are going to walk by this casket for the very last time. You are going to look at the face of your mother or your grandmother. And you know how much she loved you, and you know how she lived, and she is in heaven. I want you to do something when you come down here this one last time, as you come up to the casket, and you gaze upon her face this one last time. I want you to whisper or to say in your mind, I'll be there, Grandma. I'll be there, Mom. If that's what you can say, say it with confidence. But if you can't, then I want you to walk by the casket and I want you to look at your mother's face. I want you to look at your grandmother's face and realize that this will be the last moment you will see it. And realize that the last time that she saw you alive is the last time She had ever seen your face because she'll never see it again. 
pastor closed the funeral service in prayer. And then came that time when each one of the family members and the friends walked by the casket. And as each one of those children, each one of those grandchildren, each one of the spouses walked by and gazed at the face of Sarah, they had to deal with the question, could they look at that face and honestly say, I'll be there. That is a powerful and emotional image that that pastor painted for that family at that funeral. Because most of them have turned their back on God. They were living for themselves. Oh, sure, they'd show up for church occasionally, and, and they were convincing themselves that it's okay. Maybe later I'll have enough time. But he wanted to drive home the point, and I thought he did it very well. Title of today's message is Be There. Every Christian parent's desire for their children. Be there. Be there. Where's there? It's in heaven. Because most of us know that because of our age, we will probably go on before our children and our grandchildren. And there's nothing more that we desire than for our family to be there. We're going to start this morning in the 90th Psalm. Coming up on the screen. Here's what the psalmist said. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. First point this morning, if you have a note sheet, please go ahead and take it out and fill in the blanks. If you don't, just follow along. First point, it is vital to consider your mortality. It is vital for each one of us to consider our mortality. Not in a morbid way or an obsessive way, but the psalmist said, teach us to number our days. That means you're considering your mortality. You are considering the fact that you have a limited number of days on planet Earth. No one except God knows how many they are. Teach us to number our days, and the psalmist said, because they quickly pass, and we fly away, and before we know it, we've come to the end of our days. The uh, prophet Isaiah, in the 40th chapter of uh, the Old Testament book where his prophecies are recorded says this, all people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. In another place in scripture, it says the grass uh, flourishes like for a day and then it dies and what the, what the prophet is trying to do, speaking for the Holy Spirit, is saying, listen, yes, day after day, year after year, things seem to be okay, but in light of the whole, you're like grass that is here today and tomorrow has withered and is thrown into the fire. Teach us to number our days. Number one, it's vital for each of us to consider our mortality from time to time. Number two, it is vital to consider your eternity. It is vital 
to consider your eternity. The Bible clearly speaks that every person is eternal. Now, I haven't seen the movie The Eternals yet, and so I don't know if I could have gotten an illustration out of it. I just know there's one out there called The Eternals. But let's just face it. The Bible tells us we're all in eternal. We are eternal. You cannot look in the eye of any person, including yourself in the mirror, and not see someone who is eternal, who is going to live forever. The Bible so clearly tells us that. We are eternal, and you and I will die and then you and I will live someplace forever. Forever. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed for men to die once. And after this, then comes something. It's called judgment. If you're not living forever someplace, there's no need to have a judgment. There's no need for God to take a look at your life and to make a decision as to where you will spend your eternity. It is appointed for man to die once. And then comes judgment. The Bible teaches that there are only two places where a human being can spend eternity. Remember, we are all mortal. We're going to die I know some of you are saying, yeah, what about the rapture? If that happens, that's fine. But for the, for the most part, throughout history, most people have died. If we're the generation to see the rapture, that's going to be great. It's going to be as if we could just skip the step of death. But we need to consider our mortality because the chances are you and I are going to die. We need to consider our eternity because since we're going to die and we are eternal, we have an eternal soul and spirit that is going to continue beyond when this body passes away, where will we stay? 1 John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away. But look what it says. But whoever does the will of God lives, what? Forever. The world and its desire pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 7 and 8, all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God and they will be my children. He's saying that if you are a follower of his, when that time comes, you will receive the blessings. But then verse 8 gives the flip of that but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate, here's their fate, is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It is vital for each of us to consider our mortality from time to time. It is vital that each of us consider eternity from time to time. And number three, it is vital to ask yourself, where will I be? Where will I be? Will I be in heaven? That's what that pastor wanted to communicate to the family. He wanted them to ask themselves, will I be there with grandma? Will I be there with mom? They all knew Sarah. And no one doubted that she was in heaven because her life reflected that she was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. But the pastor wanted them to ask themselves during that last walk by the open casket, the pastor wanted them to ask themselves, 
Will I be there? Maybe another way you could ask it, am I ready? Are you ready? You know, many people feel that they have time to get their life ready. Many people feel they have time to get their life ready. But do they? Do they? The fourth chapter, the 14th verse in the book of James, there's a powerful verse coming up on the screen. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It is here a little while, and it is gone. How do you know what your life is going to be like tomorrow? Now, if every one of you, I went and asked you what you're planning on doing tomorrow, the students over here are going to school. Evan's planning on coming into the office. Many of you are planning on going into work, or you have some plans for tomorrow, and we do need to plan tomorrow, but really, do you really know? If you're going to be able to do that tomorrow, do you really know that tomorrow you will be able to do those things? And that's what uh, James is trying to get across in this powerful verse. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It is here a little while and then it's gone. So that's why today I'm asking you, it's vital for you to consider your mortality. It's vital for you to consider your eternity. And it's vital for you to ask yourself, where will I be. Many years ago, I saw a video with Dr. James Dobson. Some of you who are older may remember him. He was the founder and the director at that time of the Focus on the Family ministry. And in this video, he told the story of Pistol Pete Maravich. Now, depending on how old you are, or how much you follow basketball, you may or may not know the name of Pistol Pete Maravich. And if you don't, YouTube him or Google him. He was an incredible basketball player. He is considered by many to be one of the top ten basketball players who ever existed. The L.A. Times writer Jeremy Crow wrote this about the final day, the final day, hear this, the final day of Maravich's life. It was supposed to be a treat. It turned into a tragedy. It was supposed to end with handshakes and autographs. It ended in a morgue. For those of you who may not know of Maravich's accomplishments on the basketball court, let me just give you a couple. He was, a, he was college basketball's all-time leading scorer. He averaged 44 points per game during his career at Louisiana State University. 28 times he scored more than 50 points. You say, well, is that that great? This was before the three-point line. When he played ball... There was no three-point line, and he still averaged 44 points a game, 28 times scored more than 50. He played for three NBA teams and was the youngest player ever inducted in the Hall of Fame, and he was the first player to sign a million-dollar contract in the NBA. But on January 5, 1988, Pistol Pete Maravich died in the arms of Dr. James Dobson during a pickup four-on-four half-court basketball game. Maravich was only 40. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It is 
here a little while and then it is gone. Dobson told the story of Maravich often during speaking engagements. And he would tell people that Pete Maravich's first 35 years of life were dedicated to basketball. For many years, he tried to find satisfaction in wild living and heavy drinking. It was not until after his retirement from basketball that Pete Maravich found happiness in Christ. He gave his heart to Jesus at age 35, and for the next five years, he was on fire for the Lord, Dobson said. But in January of 1988, Maravich was in California. He was going to be interviewed by Dobson for the Focus on the Family radio program. And Dr. Dobson invited Pete to play some basketball with himself and some, as he says, some other old duffers. They played three times a week in a local church gym. And they had invited Maravich to play, thinking, oh my goodness, how are we going to play against him? The game went on. They said that Maravich played at about a third of his speed. They were having a great time together, laughing and enjoying the basketball game. They played for about 45 minutes and decided to take a break. There was a man there that was videotaping everything, and he was shooting the video, and he caught the last shot that Maravich made um, before they called this break time. Dobson looked at Maravich and said, man, you should have never given up this game. You're so good. And Pete said, oh, I just love the game of basketball. And, and Dobson said to him, hey, how you feeling? And he says, I feel great. He turned to walk away, and two seconds later, he collapsed on the floor, didn't even catch himself, just collapsed on the floor. The men rushed to see what was going on, and two minutes later, Pistol Pete Maravich died in Dr. James Dobson's arms. He suffered a massive heart attack. He had a congenital heart condition that no one had been able to diagnose. Most people who have this heart condition don't live to be 20 to 25 years old before they die of a massive heart attack. But Maravich, because of his basketball career and his stamina, was able to live to the age of 40. The autopsy revealed what took place. You're going to have to look it up on Wikipedia uh, to find out what it is called. That night, Dr. Dobson, after praying with Maravich's family in the hospital, his wife, he had two young boys at that time, went home, and he went up to his son Ryan's bedroom. His son Ryan was 17 years old at this time, and Dobson knocked on the door, and, and, and of course, everybody knew what had happened at that basketball court. And Dobson said this to Ryan. He said, this is the human condition. Ryan, sooner or later, somebody is going to tell you that I am gone. Now, Ryan... I want you to be there. I want you to be there on that grand resurrection morning. I will be looking all over heaven for you. Be there. Because that's the one thing that matters. That you stay true to Christ. 
and that you are found worthy to spend eternity with me and your mom and your other friends on that day. Be there. Two years later, Dr. James Dobson suffered a heart attack on the exact same basketball floor. Collapsed during a game. He recovered. But he used what had happened as an opportunity to speak to crowds about the importance of being ready. And that video which I watched was recorded after Dr. Dobson's heart attack and recovery. And he went out and shared the story of Maravich, and I, I still remember it. The details I'm giving you, I've looked up, but I still remember that video because it powerfully impacted me. He shared the story of Maravich to the group that was there during the taping, and he discussed that evening that he spent with his son, Ryan. And then he looked at the crowd of mostly teenagers and 20-somethings, and he looked at them, and he said, be there. Be there. And then, probably the most moving part of the video for me, the camera caught it. He looked straight into his son's Ryan's eyes again. And he said, be there. And with tears streaming down Ryan's face, they had that father and son moment. How many parents... Have with their kids, just reminding them, be there. Because, see, he almost died. He still had time to talk to his son, to say, be there. The most important thing in your life is to make sure that you're walking with Jesus so that you can be there. I do not want to wake up on that grand resurrection morning and not see you. Sure that Sarah could have said that from the coffin. Maravich probably could have said it to his family, but he didn't know he was going to die. But thankfully, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ five years before and was on fire for Jesus, so his family knew where he was. Now, as your pastor, I want to say to you, be there. Be there. Sherry and I, we're going to be in heaven. But are you? Let me plead with you. Be there. Let me paraphrase Dobson. Folks, this is the human condition. It's your condition. It's my condition. Sooner or later, somebody is going to tell you, I'm gone. And someday you too will be gone. And if I go before you, which is possible based on my age, if I go before you, I'm going to be in heaven waiting, looking as people are coming, looking for you, looking for you, looking for you, looking for you. Don't disappoint me. Be there. Because it's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters, that you stay true to Jesus and that you're found worthy because of your relationship with him to spend eternity with me and with Sherry 
And your friends here at CFA or wherever you might be watching, be there. It is vital that each of us take time from time to time to consider our mortality. We will die. It is vital from time to time that each of us consider our eternity because we will live someplace. And it is vital from time to time that you ask yourself, will I be there? Or another way to ask the question is this, am I ready? Let me just put it a little bit differently. Am I ready? Really? You know, many of us are very casual to answer the question, am I ready? Oh, sure, I'm ready. Sure, I'm ready. I went to the altar when I was 12. Or I, uh, I, I, I prayed a sinner's prayer at camp. Or, or my mom prayed with me in my bedroom. I'm ready. Really? 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 It was my casket that was there. Is your relationship with God and your relationship with Jesus such that you could look on my face and you could say, Pastor Rick, I'll be there? Because you know, you know, you know that you're right with God. Not a half-hearted, in-and-out-again relationship. Not that, well, I think I'm fine or I'm a good person and I, I do more. Do you know? And maybe you're saying, gosh, I, I don't know if I know. There is, a, there is a sense of doubt in my heart. I'm not sure I know. Well, let me tell you how you can know if that's you today, whether you're watching this on demand, watching it live. How can you know? I'm just going to take you through about... Six verses of Scripture. This is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And I'm going to share these because I want you to be there. I love you as your pastor. Young people, I'm watching you grow and I see such possibilities. But I know how the devil can grab your life. Some of the rest of you, life throws you a curve and you get disappointed and you say, well, if that's the way it's going to be following God, I don't want to follow God. Listen, as your pastor, I want you to be there. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2 says, verses 4 through 10. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 said, even when you were dead in trespasses and sin. Listen, as a sinner, you're not just kind of okay and you're just not kind of a sinner. You are dead in transgression and sin. You are dead. Dead, dead, dead. But God... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we're dead in transgressions. Yes, you can be walking around. Yes, you can have a, go a, a job. Yes, you can have a family. Yes, you can be making a lot of money or a little bit of money. You're, you're, you're alive in your body, but you're dead. 
in your soul and your spirit. That's the condition that God finds all of us in. But we have the ability to be made alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. How can you know? How can you know? God has a gift. His son Jesus Christ died for your sin, died for my sin. The Bible says that the sins of the world were put on Jesus and when he shed his blood, it paid the just penalty because all of us have a penalty. The wages of sin is death. That's why we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sins until we were made alive by Jesus. So how can you be made alive by Jesus if you're dead in your transgressions and sin? By opening your heart, by receiving the gift, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not by works, not by being good, not by being a loyal churchgoer, although that should come afterwards because there are the works that follow salvation, but you cannot work your way to salvation. It is a grace gift. You might be the, 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 the most terrible person you know, but Jesus loves you, and his grace is sufficient for you to be saved so that you can know that you will be there, not by works, so that no one can boast Today, if you are uncertain that you will be there, if you could not walk by Pastor Rick's casket with his body in it and look me in the face while I'm up in heaven and say, I'll be there, Pastor Rick. I'll be there. If you cannot, then this morning, if you are ready to choose to follow Jesus, and I mean really follow him, not in and out haphazard, to really follow Jesus, You'll have an opportunity to do that, just to pray and to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. Phil, if you'd join me on the platform. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I felt strongly that this was the day to preach this message. I don't know who may be watching it now, who may be watching it later. I don't know who in the building needed to consider their mortality, to consider their eternity, and to consider whether or not they will be there. But Father, I pray that you make it clear as only you can by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, they can't work they can never be good enough to receive this. It is a gift. You, out of your great 
mercy. God, you are rich in mercy. You are the one that makes us alive in Christ, even when we're dead in our sins and transgressions. If you feel that today is the day that you need to be made alive in Christ because you recognize that you don't feel that you're ready, you don't know that you will be there, then I want you right now, just quietly, to pray after me and to say, Dear Jesus, I want to be there. Please forgive me of my sins. I choose you. My life is yours. Do with it whatever you will. Thank you, Lord, for your great mercy that you would make me alive, spiritually alive, even when I was dead in my sins. Lord, I know I don't earn this. It's a free gift, so I receive your free gift today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm not going to have you show of hands. I'm not going to have you come forward. Folks at home, you couldn't do that anyhow, but I would like for you, if you prayed that prayer today, to somehow communicate with me via text, via email, communicate to the office. Say, Pastor Rick, I just want to let you know, I prayed that prayer. I want to be there. I'll pray for you. And I'll rejoice with you. There may be for those of you, and I know a majority of you here in the building, while you may have appreciated this message and the illustrations, it wasn't for you. But maybe you know someone that it's for. In the next few minutes, the whole service is going to be available to watch again on YouTube. And by tomorrow, Pastor Evan will have just the sermon portion on our YouTube channel. It may be some message that you say, hey, our pastor preached this great message. Or you may know somebody that's big into sports that doesn't know Jesus. And you say, hey, our pastor talked about Pistol Pete Maravich. I think it'd be great for you to listen to it. Then forward them the link. Let's get the message out because people need to be there. Because there is a day coming. There is a day coming when you'll no longer have the chance to make that decision. For Pistol Pete Maravich, it was January 5th, 1988. For our sister-in-law, it was December the 4th, 2021. Yesterday was the anniversary of her passing away from COVID. Now she's waiting, saying to me, Rick, make sure you're there. Sherry, make sure you're there. She's waiting for us to come. You don't know when your day is or when that day will be when Jesus Christ will sound the trumpet. The dead in Christ will rise and we'll all go to meet him in the air. You don't know when that day is, so take this message and send it out.
Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.